Aloha and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak. In this episode, I interview Jonathan Sukaldito, aka John Cozy. In this episode, we dive into how Cozy got into his creative arts, we talk about his newfound love of jujitsu, and Cozy shares wisdom for aspiring upcoming artists. A super fun conversation with a friend from high school and a fellow creative mind. Without further ado, let's get started. Friday night, Kunane Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol, the podcast with the goal of creating a community of optimal human beings. I am your host, Mikuni Munsaik, and today's optimal human being is Jonathan Sukaldito, aka John Cozy. Cozy, brother Cozy, please introduce yourself to the listeners. What up? This is John, aka John Cozy. Um, I am from Makakilo, Hawaii, on the island of Oahu, from the hill, you know what I mean? Um, I am a beat maker, DJ, rapper, sometimes, I don't know, semi-retired. I don't be really rapping that much anymore, but I still try to do it for fun, especially I got, like, like rapper friends that want to rap, too. And then when I see them doing it, I want to do it, too. And what else am I? What did I say? Oh, rapper. rapper. Artist, um, I do some graffiti here and there, and I am a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner as well. Um, I'm almost a year in, still got my white belt, but I'm super stoked on that journey as well. And yeah, what's up, guys? What's up, Cooney? Thanks for having me on. Brother Cozy, bro, I'm so glad that you're here. I've been listening to your shit since high school, to be completely honest. Uh, really? Yeah, bro, I've been listening to your shit since high school. I think you're, uh, you graduated, what, 05, 06? 06. Yeah, so I'm 09, and uh, I was listening to fucking Ill Hill Society when you guys made that one song, Your World, or My World. You're My World. You're My World? Oh, that fucking Everybody song. loved that song. Fucking so, fire. Oh, yeah. Me and Funi went to the same high school, yo. That's crazy. 808 State represent. Shout out to uh, yeah, yeah. everyone in Kapolei, all the Makakilowins, and uh, the 96707. What's up? <laughs> Cap City represent, bruh. <laughs> yeah, right hold on. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Um, Man, you brought up Ill Hill and You're My World. That was like a popping song for us because it was so, like, we were in that, like, uh girl crazy phase you know so we were writing all these like corny love songs for girls you know try and get us some action and stuff and like people love that song and um that's kind of what we were known for when we first started rapping i kind of look back at it now it's like oh that's some corny stuff but i mean you know that was like one step on the path that i took i guess that was uh, hard man yeah i had that song on repeat like repeat for like a while yeah. It's a nice song. I'll put on the beat every now and then and just like rap it in my car because it makes me feel good, you know, because yeah. like the lyrics came from an honest place. It's kind of corny, but it did come from like an honest place, you know, That's and um, 
I kind of miss that, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like the best songs are the ones that really come from that, that genuine expression. Because I did, I used, I dabbled with some poetry and, and I used to mm. like songs. But like, it's always when you have that real emotional connection to uh, lyrics when you can really uh, compose something nice. And especially when you perform it too, like you have that, all that emotional connection with your. Yeah, dude, that's one thing I missed. Like pre-COVID, the live performances, that was, I don't know what, maybe it's like an adrenaline rush, but I I was thinking about this yesterday. I kind of compare the feeling of coming off stage of a good performance after a good role, you know, in jujitsu. It's the same, like, like it's oh man it's over with i'm done i did this stuff and then you also like kind of try to chill out and like reflect on like what happened or what could be done better what i did good it's kind of the same thing so i made that connection yesterday and i thought it was like really profound that's dope i mean it's it's about the same thing i mean especially when you compete too like especially with all the eyes on you and you have all that yeah I don't know. You ever, you know how it feels when you're on stage and everyone's looking like you're trying to tune in, but yet again, you're still feeding off of every, all the energy around you at the same time. Yeah. 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 The, the energy from the crowd is definitely a big part of like a rap performance. I wonder if it's the same for, well, okay. In MMA, it's, is it as much the crowd as it is the two people fighting or do you kind of tune out the crowd yeah, bro, you tune out everything outside. I, I wish I was more aware. Um, my best fights are the ones where I'm really, where I'm more aware of everything that's happening around me. Um, when uh-huh. I, I'm too tuned in to just my opponent and I'm not uh, aware of everything. Like, I feel like uh, I'm not as efficient. I'm not as in the moment because I'm kind of too mm. nervous and uh, worried about like what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel it. Fucking trip. Uh, Let's go back to uh, your jujitsu thing. How did you get started with that, bro? Okay, so the jujitsu thing. This was like right after COVID hit. Um, I think when did everything start closing down? I think last year around April. So April 2020, everything started shutting down. I remember going to the gym. I was going to the gym and then the doors were closed and there was a sign on the thing that said, oh, we're going to be shut down for whatever. And I was like, oh, no, it's starting to happen. And then... So like months go by and I haven't been working out. I've been trying to like do stuff like at home, you know, like calisthenics and stuff. I ended up getting a jump rope, which is something I never really got into. But I got like super into jump rope and I found this like uh, this one. This is a tangent, but I found I started discovering like a community of YouTubers that were solely like jump rope. Like they were like (laughs) jump rope YouTubers, dude. And I was like, oh, my God, there's like tutorials on jumping rope. And I didn't know you can do like so much different things with a jump rope, dude. It's crazy. Like these guys got like hundreds of videos on jumping rope. It's insane. So anyway, I got into that. Trying to just try and get fit, you know, and then just like I wanted to step it up. And then I've always, I started getting interested in like learning something new, like versus uh, just like lifting weights and stuff. I wanted something like difficult to do because honestly, I was just getting bored. And uh, I feel like, okay, I was in like a place, like kind of a dark place and I needed to find it. I was like looking for a way out, right? And um, I started looking at uh, like all these different things. Like I even looked up kendo classes, bro. Like I want to learn kendo. I was like, okay, kendo looks like something I could get into. But a lot of these schools, uh, because, uh, because of the COVID, they shut down and they were only doing like online Zoom classes. And I was like, no, I need something where it like gets me like, 
moving and interacting with people and stuff like that. And I remembered that one of my friends uh, that I followed on Instagram, uh, he goes by the name of Genesis. And he would post like, uh, you know, himself in the gi and stuff. And I think he entered a tournament and stuff like that. So I DM'd him like, dude, do you still do that jujitsu stuff? <laughs> and like he wrote back like a wall of text because he I guess he got like super excited that I want to get wanted to get into jujitsu. And then he brought me to my first class. Of my birthday too, because it was like August, like the first or second week of August, and I took the class. I got worked, <laughs> and um, I loved it, dude. And ever since I joined, and then I just, you know, I kept, you know, wanting to train ever since. Unfortunately, though, like after a month in, they ended up having to close the school because I guess they were open, uh, illegally under the. I don't know, the shutdown rules or whatever. So it was like a really, really sporadic uh, schedule with the training and stuff. And so I kept doing that. I got a stripe on my white belt, but eventually I was only training like three days a week. And I wanted more because <laughs> I, could, I, I wanted more. I was like, I want to train every day. So I ended up buying mats and buying mats from like, it's so hard to find mats that ship to Hawaii, dude. Ugh. Because I don't know why the shipping things or whatever is like ridiculously expensive or they don't ship to Hawaii at all. But I ended up finding some on Amazon and I uh, I got the mats and I think I forgot. I got to ask Brandon, but you know, Brandon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I forgot. I, I think I remembered. Oh, that's right. I remembered um, we trained at his in his garage one time, like a few years ago. You, you know about Brandon's garage? Yeah, Hell yeah, bro. That was the train, spot, right? Brandon's garage. Fuck yeah. Yes. So this was like 20. I forgot. This was this was a while ago, but I went there one night and I remembered that. So I think I hit him up to tell him that I'm I, I'm getting into jujitsu and that I wanted to know if he wanted to like, you know, show me some stuff. And then same thing happened. He got like super excited, <laughs> but I guess he hasn't like trained in years or whatever. And I think. He, he started getting like the because he saw that I started doing it. And it's like, OK, now he wants to start training. So uh, brand our, our friend Brandon and uh, who else? Uh, Jason, our friend Jason, they would come over on the weekends for that, like extra credit because I could only train like two or three times a week at the school. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, just having Brandon and Jason come over to train with me kind of made me like, OK, I want to really get into this. And uh, yeah, they, they helped me a lot, man. Like outside of the school, like, cause I, I was tripping out the first, the first, uh, the first time that he came over to, to like roll with me on the mats. Um, I, I had no idea what I was doing at that point. I think I was only a few months in dude. Cause like, I have no, like, I think I know, I think I know what jujitsu looks like. And then I'll try and like, no, I don't. And then like, just the way he was like teaching me stuff, he was like grabbing my limbs and moving them for me. No, you want it here. You want it here. And I was like, yo, this guy, cause I knew Brandon from partying, you know what I mean? Like, so I didn't know this side of him, like how like uh, knowledgeable he was of like uh, jujitsu and judo and stuff like that. Brandon's like the most undercover martial arts wizard that I know, bro. It's a trip. Yeah, he was like, 
Because I've never seen, like, he would talk so fast. It's like, you know how somebody <laughs> talks about something that, like, you know, like, he knows his shit or he knows his stuff because, like, it's just, just coming out of him, like a yeah. stream of consciousness. Yeah. And the way it's like, oh, no, this way. <laughs> it was weird because he, he would, like, be pulling my arms and stuff. Like, oh, you want it over here or there or you got to do this. Like, making adjustments and showing me, like, the right way to do stuff. And uh, fast forward to today, man, we both ended up joining. So I ended up moving schools. Um, we both ended up joining the same jujitsu school, United BJJ. Um, you're probably familiar with our coaches because you were talking about one, one earlier. So uh, our coaches are Bruno Pucci oh, and shit. Angela Lee. Okay, nice. That's what's up. Yeah, so I'm at their school now. <laughs> and that that's a... Uh, that's a whole other world from my last school. Like the other, the guys in our classes, like, like they like to go at it. Like level up. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, there's a lot more, they like to focus on, they spend a lot of time on sparring, which I like, it's kind of 50, 50, like, uh, drilling. And then the rest of the classes sparring. And that's, yeah. The intensity of it is like, sometimes I, it's really hard to get myself to like go to the class just because I'm like thinking about, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to get beat up today. I'm going to get work today, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get work today. But then I tell I'm in the shower. I'm like, okay, today I'm going to choose violence. And then I just go to class and I always end up feeling great after afterwards. That's and uh, yeah, that's where I'm at today. Uh, currently with the whole jujitsu journey stuff well welcome to the jujitsu rabbit hole because once you go down the uh, hole, bro there's no coming back bro dude i want to know so i want to know like the the history between because we all went to the same school right and you guys were all you guys were all into the martial arts back then and i've heard some stories about like brandon's garage i was wondering if I, you got any like, what was your history with the um, with the training and stuff? Okay, Brandon's, like, he had a warehouse in Campbell. Um, and I don't know what his family owned in that in that warehouse, but it was, like, a big open space. And he had, like, these judo mats, like, these uh, rollout judo mats, that uh, the stackable ones that he uh, just had in the, in the warehouse. And then we would lay them out. And then he would teach us, like, basic freaking MMA techniques, like basic striking to basic takedowns and then like super basic submissions. And then we do some sparring after. And then we yeah. had like a group of guys. It was like an interesting group of people that we had over there. It was me and Brandon. And then like, I don't know if you remember, like Sean Guillory, I think was over there. And then um, fucking who else was over there? Some of my like white boyfriends, like Robbie Boxstein and I think Trey Del Fierro was over there. And yeah, we just fucking dicked around and just did some like MMA sparring and shit. And, it's like a little fight club yeah. after. Yeah, school. a little fight club type <laughs> shit. It was never anything super serious, yeah. like super consistent, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. something that we were gonna turn it into a career. It's just something we did for fun a little bit. I think it was after high school, so that was around '09, like 2010-ish. Mm. Yeah, because at that time I was uh, already doing amateur boxing in Hawaii too. Mm. after after our party days uh for me it was spring break 09 spring break 09 was like the craziest partiest most like <laughs> worst <laughs> worst decision i ever made and, yeah. a lot of bad decisions yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so after yeah, uh, after spring break of 09 i got my shit together and i started taking training seriously and doing the boxing thing and then uh mm. yeah and then I, I ended up linking up with brandon but uh yeah ever since 
like because i knew him since elementary school bro like since we were in like 10 years old yeah and i never really knew that he was into martial arts and shit and the next thing yeah, i grew up doing like, judo yeah dude he's a beat yeah. which and i he- just learned i didn't know he was yeah i didn't know he grew up doing judo but i guess so what i learned too is that like when you're because it's like a family a very family oriented sport so the parents like to put their kids into it at a young age and when you put your kids into something like that at a young age they end up kind of growing to resent the sport mm-hmm. so i guess they don't really talk about it as much so because I, I found out a bunch of like uh my other my other friends kind of have the same story where they grew up doing something but they were just kids you know they just want to fuck around and like play yeah. video games or like do other stuff but then they were forced to do this so they kind of like it's like uh i don't want to do you know yeah they build up like that negative reinforcement towards it even though they're good at it but they were kind of like forced onto it rather than being let to enjoy life as a kid yeah which i kind of you know looking back at it now i kind of wish i got into this stuff a long time ago fucking a me too bro i just got yeah. to get to fucking 20, <laughs> when the fuck time you year 2016 like five years ago just five years ago oh uh, i was i don't know i always figured you did it longer i don't know I was into martial arts, but I wasn't like my yeah. uh, my initial impression of jiu-jitsu was that shit's gay, bro. I don't want to be rolling around on the floor. Yeah, that's what, yeah. <laughs> All sweaty. Like, I remember when like the UFC was first showing on like, I think it was on like on Spike TV and stuff. I would hear comments like that about people watching. It was like, why are we watching this? Why are we watching this? You know, like whatever. But now it's like. Now it's the shit, bro. And yeah. once you get into it, dude, and you realize like, like how alignment is so important like the techniques how to flow from one thing to the next and just positioning of the body and talking hey dude jiu-jitsu is so crazy and it's so yeah so that's that you can do with that's another thing that bugs me out i was like reflecting on it yesterday too because i have a hard time you know i'm not like okay for example like brandon brandon can brandon will like look at a clip of somebody doing a move on like instagram and then pull it off on me the next day you know he just like understands it that well but me i like look at it and i'll think i understand it and then when it comes to like uh executing it on the mat i'm just like okay which arm is which like i'm so disconnected from my body dude even when like my coach is telling me to move my left arm i'm i have to like think for like a split second okay my left arm or does he mean this arm because he's facing that way i don't know but yeah so that whole mind body connection is something that i'm having kind of a hard time adjusting to but something that i feel i need to grasp i guess and that's something i need to like i'm really trying to like work on is because uh, coming from my history of like stuff that i was into like hobbies or uh stuff that i wanted to get good at a lot of it wasn't you know maybe bare minimum was like using my body for example like djing you know i just had to use my hands mm-hmm. everything else like happens up here and like by feeling or whatever and even rapping, um, rapping on stage was something that I had to really like learn because I was really good at rapping into a microphone, but then moving around on stage and being able to like express exactly. myself at the same way, it's that whole mind uh, body connection thing. And yeah, that's one thing that kind of bugs me out because like jujitsu, I feel like is one of the best examples of that thing where like you're trying to. Well, first off, you're trying to like strangle somebody, right? So you got to use your mind in sync with your body 
but then also there's a whole other person trying to do the same thing to you and i'm like oh that shit's so crazy to me and then like, that same person knows the move you're gonna do and is three steps ahead of you because he already knows the two different reactions you're gonna do yeah it's like hey <laughs> you know people compare it to chess but i feel like it's not really that much like it's kind of like chess where like physical the, the chess, steps bro. ahead it's physical yeah, i feel chess. it's like you ever see like that 3d chess where it's like chess on like one, two, three different planes, or the guys that play chess against like 12 different people at the same time. <laughs> I feel like it's more like that. <laughs> it's like some gnarly version of chess where you can get your arm ripped off. Or <laughs> that's too risky, bro. Dude, it's so cerebral. That's that's what's amazing about jujitsu because, like you said, there's the whole mind-body connection of just making sure your limb you're using the right limb and, and and wedging your arm in the right place and then there's the yeah. part of okay i'm gonna do this move he's gonna react this way and i'm gonna catch him in this process yeah. and then yeah. the whole cerebral process of understanding concepts as far as body positioning and <clears throat> it's fucking yeah and even just like um how much pressure to put like your weight like I, okay i'm a i feel like i'm a pretty big dude like i'm like 200 pounds right now walking around but <clears throat> when i was first starting out jujitsu people said they didn't feel my weight and i was like well you don't feel my weight i guess what well, i'm like lying on top of you but you don't feel my weight you know and that's like it's one thing that's like you kind of you got to learn and that's you got to learn by just doing it and that yeah it's like little things like that that kind of like trip me out like in jujitsu like i didn't know like the human body Bro, so like, I feel like we could geek like out that, about jujitsu and turn this whole fucking podcast into jujitsu. But uh, <laughs> part of the reason why I wanted you on here was to talk about uh, like your the creative arts side and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah. I want to inspire because I mean, there's probably a bunch of people at home who are just fucking stuck and maybe have all this creative energy in them and they don't really know how to get started. So maybe if they're listening to this shit, we can get them inspired. So how did you get started yeah. with like, creative arts, like with uh, writing and poetry and beat making and all that shit? Okay, writing and poetry. This goes back to... Uh... Man, when I was like, I need to ask my mom about like, she said I was I would start reading at like a really young age. And my mm -hmm. earliest memories um, go all the way back to like when I was, I don't know, I was probably under five. I don't know how old I was when I started reading, but I remember being in San Diego. I was, uh, I was born in Hawaii, but I think I moved to San Diego before I was like a year old. And then I grew up there until like my elementary years. So I remember being in San Diego and my mom had these, uh, she bought these like just uh, encyclopedia set. You know, those like, oh, I forgot yeah. what they're called, in, in Carta or whatever. They would brown order books the and they're like brown and gold and shit. Yeah, I will. Ours ones, I, I think they're brown and gold or they're green and gold. I remember green, but they had, yeah, just like an entire set of encyclopedias and I would read those. And there was also like a kid's version of this by the same company. And they had a lot of like fairy tales and like short stories and poems and stuff. So I'd read a lot of those. So I started reading at an early age. And then when it came around to, I want to say middle school, when they started introducing us to like, uh, like Greek literature, you know, like talking about like the gods and stuff like the greek pantheon whatever mythology yeah, bro. greek mythology that's the word i was looking for i was like what's that word i got you yeah greek, myth <laughs> greek mythology and stuff and as i always thought that was really cool and 
uh, in that same class where we were learning about like literature and stuff, we would start doing like poetry. So I would like write little poetry like here and there. I got really into so in middle school, I got really that's when I like really discovered rap music. Well, towards the ending of elementary school, uh, I was listening to like stuff I shouldn't be listening to, but like Eminem, <laughs> Eminem and Tupac were like my shit, dude, hey. and Bone Thugs. But uh, so I got like really, I don't know for whatever reason, I got really into like Tupac and like almost sort of idolized him. And I started looking into his like um, uh, his other stuff beyond rap music. So he ended up writing. A, they published like a book of poetry. Like posthumously, I think, called uh, A Rose That Grew From Concrete. I think that's what it was called. It's been years, but I'd read the poems in there and I'd try to like emulate like his style of writing in the because <clears throat> like a, a lot of his poetry was were kind of like written like raps. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't like like uh, like you know, like classical poetry is kind of weird to read, right? And mm -hmm. not, not a lot of it like rhymes or whatever. But then Tupac's poetry was like they were kind of like raps where they rhymed at the end. So it was a little easier for me to consume and emulate. So I started writing like him. And so I'd write like little raps in middle school with no intentions of ever like performing them. I was just thought it was cool. Like, okay, let me just like write this stuff. I'd write like little love poems. Oh, a funny story. My uncle had a girlfriend in middle school. Uh, not a girlfriend in middle school. I was in middle school. <laughs> and my uncle had a girlfriend and he was like really, I don't know, he was really trying to butter up and he would pay me to write her love poems. Hey. So I'd like write little love poems for his girlfriend just so he could get like brownie points or whatever. So that's how I got started like writing, writing lyrics and stuff. But I, uh, I didn't start rapping until, until after high school, dog. Like uh, I want to say this was like around 2000, 2007 or 2008-ish when... I uh oh I heard my friend on the radio like uh, my friend I don't know if you know Kevin Ritchie he goes by qualified he graduated the same hey, class okay, as me okay 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 yeah, yeah yeah um he graduated the same class as me and he has a very distinct voice and I was yeah. listening to the radio one time <clears throat> and I heard his voice and I, I haven't talked to him in like years because this was after high school and we didn't really like connect uh outside of high school. And um, I, so I texted him, like, yo, is this you on the radio? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? And at the same time, I was already like, uh, I was, I've been DJing since my sophomore year of high school, right? So like 2003-ish, I got really heavy into DJing just because I saw some like uh, scratching videos. It was actually, oh, you know, you know, Lincoln Park, you know, the yeah. song Crawling? Yeah. The, Mr. Han, the, the DJ in Lincoln Park was like scratching in the music video. I was like, oh, that looks cool. I want to try and do that. So that's kind of how I got into DJing. And um, damn, I, I got lost. Where was I? Um, how I got started rapping, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, how I started rapping. So, yeah, so I was already into DJing and I was interested in beat making. And then I heard Quali on the radio. So now the idea popped into my head that, okay, if I'm not going to rap, Maybe I could like make some beats for a rapper, you know? So that's how me and Quali ended up uh, uh, linking up. And I was like playing him beats and stuff. <clears throat> and for one of the beats, so he came over one day and I was playing him some beats. And before he came over, I was like fucking around on like on the beats and I was listening to the beats and I was just like, you know, let me try and write a rap. <laughs> let me just try and write a rap to this. <clears throat> and then when Quali came over, he played the beat and then it was like, 
I told Quali, like, yo, dude, I, I tried to write a rap, kind of like, you want to hear it? And then I spit the rap for him, thinking that I was terrible. That's like the first time I ever rapped for anybody ever mm-hmm. in my life. And he told me, hey, yeah, that was pretty good. And then, you know, he said it really nonchalantly, but in my head, I was like, whoa, it was pretty good. Maybe I could try and do this too. So we ended up making a song that day, and that was like the first uh, Ill Hill song. Hey. Yeah, that was the first Ill Hill song. And then ever since then, I just kept making beats, kept DJing, and then started rapping. That's how, kind of how I got into it was because of quality, because because quality told me that I was like, hey, that was pretty good. That's and then just something like that small, just that little small belief, that kind of energy boosted your confidence and like like exponentially increased to what you are today. Yeah, and that's a pattern that I've seen happen over again recently. I think I'm the kind of person that says, oh, if I could do it a little bit, okay, then maybe I could take it further. You know, kind of like the jujitsu. I was like, okay, I survived this one day. Maybe I could do it further. And even with the art, I was like, I just, I think a lot of stuff, I'm more, a lot of stuff is just like getting your reps in, right? But it's hard for a lot of people to take the first step. But if you just make taking that first step easier, then you'll open yourself up more to like a lot of things. Because a lot of people are very hesitant on taking that kind of step. Whereas me, I try not to hesitate. I kind of, well, you know, to my detriment sometimes, because I'll get into stuff that just doesn't work out. But I feel like, you know, it doesn't hurt to try, you know, just take taking that first step. It doesn't hurt to take like one step. You could always like say no. You know what I'm saying? You could always like just stop doing something if it's not good for you or if it doesn't work out. But I feel like more people should just like kind of kind of jump in sometimes. I call it throwing the baby in the water. Just throw the baby in the water and let it swim. Throw the baby in the water. I, I heard something. I heard something. That's why, like, uh, babies know how to instinctually swim. Oh. I don't know. I don't know where I heard it from. It's probably from, like, Twitter or somebody's Facebook post. Like, I don't know if there's actually any studies behind that. But I did hear that if a baby is thrown into the water, it'll instinctually know how to swim for whatever reason. And I think they tie it back to uh, humans, like, you know, pre-evolution being like aquatic or something like that. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Dude, I think humans are extremely powerful and we're capable of a lot more. It's just uh, we allow ourselves to get stuck in our head and have all these doubts and say like worried about what people are going to think and all that, just all that fucking bullshit that goes on. Oh, like what other people think, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's a big thing. People are too afraid to just even try and just take the first step like you're talking about. And if they were to um, just put more effort into trying new things and fucking like, like you said, even if it doesn't work out, at least you have the experience that you did it and you tried something and you have the mm. wisdom behind it. And then you can find out what it is that you like when you try other shit, but you're not going to find out what it is that you really like are passionate about unless you try all the different things. Yeah. Like, how do you know you're, you're into rock climbing if you've never done it, you know? Exactly. Right. What a trip. That was one thing I tried to get into. This shit's fun too, dude. That shit's hard. The indoor rock climbing. That shit's very yeah. hard. Very challenging. <laughs> Bro, like, how did you, you went through this great <laughs> transformation out of nowhere. Like, I remember you back in high school, you were a little bigger, and then out of nowhere, you fucking got super jacked, and now you're into jujitsu. So, like, <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about your, your transformation? And- yeah, so, I was, dude, I was, like, almost, I think when you knew, uh, the last time you seen me, I was probably pushing, like, 290. I know I hit Ooh. 300 pounds. 
So when I was, uh, yeah, I was almost 300 pounds at one point. And this was when I was like rapping and stuff. And I was performing a lot with uh, my boy, Josh, uh, Decibel Grand. Uh, you know, Josh. Yeah. 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 Dombrowski. Dombrowski. Yeah. So me and him were in a rap group called the horror show. We were just two big dudes, bro. Like <laughs> it was fun. And that one kind of popped off locally, like uh, that act. And um, so we were performing a lot. So we were on stage and jumping around and stuff, you know, getting sweaty and fucking gassed. And I was 300 pounds. He was like, <laughs> you know, it gets tough, right? So one day, yeah, it gets tough doing that when you weigh that much, dog. And um, so one day I woke up one day and I just, my feet hurt. My feet hurt. And it was like, it just came out of nowhere. It felt like, because I've had tendonitis in my Achilles before. And it felt like that. But then when I get to the doctor and I got it checked out, we ran some blood tests. Turns out that I had gout. That shit sucks. It wasn't bad gout because I looked at it like I Googled gout and I was like, yo, this shit looks crazy. But it doesn't look like my my foot looked normal, but it was just swollen. But the pain was like one out of 10 is like a 15 dog. I could not walk. It was hard to walk. Uh, I even I remember there's pictures of me somewhere. Me and Josh had to go do an interview for a magazine because we got no- nominated for the Nahoku Hano Hano Awards. <clears throat> yeah, and we did an interview, and in the picture of the interview, I'm on fucking crutches. Oof. So like, <clears throat> they told me they told me that I would have uh, gout. Gout is something like you have for life. You oh, kind of just no. gotta. Is that true? No, bro. That's like you, or you just gotta control it. You could always get. Okay, so what, from it. my understanding, gout is a buildup of crystals. Um, so when you when you eat too much protein, uh, if yeah. your body doesn't digest it, and the body the protein doesn't go towards like muscle protein synthesis or towards any other bodily functions, uh, mm. crystals kind of develop in your body, and it, it doesn't digest and go. Um, like it doesn't get digested and peed out. So it kind of builds up in, in the joints and it crystallizes in the joints. Mm. So if you're eating too much meat and you're not eating enough vegetables and you're not exercising enough. That's when gout can happen in the joints. But I don't oh, think it's, so it's not for once you have it, it, it's manageable. I don't think it's something you'll have for life. Oh, OK. I was misinformed because he said I was always have it. I just have to keep it under control with my diet or whatever. That's what my doctor told me. So anyway, I got gout and I was like, that's when I realized, like, okay, I need to have, like, a, I need to change something over here. I didn't know if losing weight was going to fix my gout because I know people that look like they're in shape and they have gout. But I figured I needed to do something, and plus I wanted to lose weight. And then I started listening to podcasts. And then there was one podcast. So I used to work at an office in downtown uh, Honolulu. It was a health insurance office, and I worked in the mailroom. So I had a lot of, like, time to just, like, listen to stuff. And I got really into podcasts, and I listened to it was, it was the one, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. It was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And Mark Sisson, this guy named Mark Sisson, he was like a proponent of the paleo diet okay. or whatever. So I listened to him and I was like, I'm not, you know, I like listening to stuff. And if it sounds like it makes sense to me, then, okay, yeah, I'll try it out. I mean, you got, you know, you talk all this science stuff and back it up and I'll read it and I'll, semi understanding it but if it makes sense to me i'll think it's like worth it to try it out right so i started doing that <clears throat> and i started losing weight just eating that way where there's like a lot of whole foods i was like i cut out the carbs completely you know he was also talking about like the ketogenic diet right 
And uh, so I started following kind of like what you should eat if you're following this kind of, you know, if you're eating in this kind of way. So I was just eating a lot of fats, not a lot of carbs and moderate amount of protein. And I was just dropping weight, dude, like every week, like pound, like pounds were coming off like every week. And I wasn't working out at all. And that's when I realized that a lot of, you know, when people talk about like being overweight and trying to get to a certain weight or whatever, if you're trying to gain weight, you're trying to lose weight. I learned that like working out is maybe, what is it, like 20% of it, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's more so your diet. And oh, yeah. that's that's one thing I learned. It was like almost almost 100% your diet because I was like, I would... I wasn't working out. I'd go to the gym sometimes, but I wasn't really focused. You know, I was just kind of like going through the motions while I go to the gym, but I did walk around a lot. But the diet, just, just what you put into your body makes a big difference. And I dropped like, I'm sitting at 200 now, but I hit like 170 at one point. Whoa. Yeah, I was like 170. I'm trying to get back down there, but I got to figure out like the right way to do it. Cause like when I got to that point, I wasn't feeling as strong as I feel like I should have been, you know, so I'm trying to figure out like a way to do it where I can maintain my strength and keep training and then be at that weight healthily. I, can, I guess. I think I can educate you a little bit about it right now. Uh, are you eating carbs? Yeah. Right? Are you eating carbs currently? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Because carbs are going to be the main source of fuel for when you go to jujitsu practice. If you're doing strength and conditioning, if you're hitting mm. pits, every single time you get into that high heart rate, uh, mode and, and you're pushing the pace you need carbs and so yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to make sure you're eating them pre-workout and then after you work out you need to eat them as well because you need to replenish all of the glycogen storages that you burned off from training mm. yeah so you got to make sure you're doing that re- repeatedly like eating carbs uh before workout and then making sure that you have your carbs protein vegetables and fucking lots of hydration and you're sleeping uh, at least seven hours and oh man the sleep's a big one yeah bro i used to only i used to run on four hours bro four hours of sleep and i was like no yeah so i started getting like uh yeah this is like a sleep function on your phone now where it like tells you how much hours you, you can set how much hours you want and i've been using that as well as like self-medicating before bedtime you know well i've been smoking a lot of cbd cbd really like, really helps with my my sleep like I get really, I noticed that like when I, <clears throat> when I take CBD before I go to bed, um, I, when I wake up, I feel like super well rested versus when I don't, I feel like I, I wake up, I'm like, uh, I want to, I want to stay in bed and stuff like that. But yeah, the sleep has been like a big thing the past couple of weeks. Cause I just started getting like around seven, like averaging seven hours, like over the past couple of weeks and definitely makes a big difference when I go to training the next day, as well as the carbs. I was cutting, I was trying so hard to cut out carbs when I introduced them back into my uh, diet, along with the training at the new school, the new jujitsu school, like I'm like good to go. Yeah, bro. So you lost all the, so I just, um, before you, I had an episode with a dietitian and she explained Mm -hmm. about how when people go on diets, they usually cut carbs and they lose a lot of weight because they're losing water weight because carbs Mm -hmm. hold onto water. Yeah, yeah. So most of the weight that's coming off is just water weight. It's not essentially body fat. And um, if you do that for long periods and then you start to try to work, start to try, try to start working out after and you're mm. on low carbs, it's just like trying to run a, 
a fucking a sprint, but you fucking never fueled up before, mm. you know what I mean, before the actual event. So you need to fuel your your vehicle pre-workout, post-workout with carbs and uh, with each with each diet. I mean, with each uh, meal, if you have like a like she talks about like this plate theory, like if you have a circle plate, um, if your goal is to lose weight, um, you should have half of your plate vegetables and mm. then one fourth carbohydrates and one fourth protein. And as long as you can make that happen with uh, at least three meals a day, you know what I mean? Then you can um, manage your weight because the, the vegetables are going to keep you full with the fiber and it's going to give you all the essential mm-hmm. micronutrients to keep your body sustaining going. You're having the carbs to keep uh, for the energy to uh, replenish your, your energy storages. And then you have the protein to keep building the muscle. And you know, did you know that um, carbohydrates and protein have a, uh, fuck, what was the word? They fucking they work together because it, once you synergistic can, effect. Yeah, synergistic effect on muscle <laughs> protein synthesis. That's the fucking word. <laughs> carbohydrates and protein have a synergistic effect on muscle protein synthesis because when you okay. eat carbohydrates, your body releases insulin. Yeah, and yeah. insulin mm. is kind of like the key, the gatekeeper to bringing all of the other nutrients like protein and vitamins to the muscles where it needs to go. So if you're mm. not eating carbs to activate the insulin then you're not going to be able to be as efficient with uh, putting the nutrients to where they need to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're like, if your your insulin doesn't spike, you're not getting all the good stuff, maybe some of it, but not all of it. Is yeah. that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used, to, I used to never worry about fucking blood sugar and shit. Cause like my mom was a nurse in dialysis and I used to think like blood sugar was for fucking diabetics and unhealthy people. But I'm realizing uh, that like we got to fucking pay attention to it, dude. Like, you know how you mm. feel throughout the day. You like you want to have like a healthy, steady blood sugar throughout the day. When you eat, it should be like a steady rise and like a steady fall. But like when people are eating fucking high sugary stuffs, like fucking ice cream and cakes and fucking fast oh, food, and they spike it yeah, and crash, and then they yeah. crash, and that's why you feel like yeah. fucking. Oh, I feel fucking like shit, like sleepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the goal like is to eat more whole <laughs> foods, like what you were doing. And, and maintain meals throughout the day so you can keep a nice, sl- uh, steady uh, wave of your, of your blood mm, sugar. You don't want to be on a roller coaster. Yeah, a nice, yeah. Oh, a nice, a nice steady roller coaster. Not a fucking, not one of those California Adventure Park. Yeah, okay, I feel it. Yeah, so there's some uh, wisdom <laughs> on that. Because, um, nice. yeah, that's a trip, bro, that you lost all that weight. And uh, it took you to fucking getting gout. And being on crutches to have to, yeah, like, I got to do something about my health, man. Yeah, because I want to, you know, I've always wanted to be, because I was always a big kid. I was always overweight, but I always uh, wanted to be active, you know. I wanted to live an active lifestyle. I skated and I was, uh, I played basketball a lot, but I felt like a lot of times <clears throat> my weight was like a prohibiting factor. I couldn't do as much as I wanted to do because i was overweight so just me getting gout was like the straw that broke the camel's back but once i lost all that weight all of this stuff opened up to me like oh i could do this now i could do that you know you know i don't think i oh maybe i could have still been doing jujitsu but i do feel a lot better about myself doing something as intense as jujitsu at the weight that i'm at now so what the weight before was weighing you down (laughs) And preventing, you <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know, no. before it was weighing you down and preventing <clears throat> you from living your best life. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And that's that's so, something that can be applied for a lot of people because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are fucking have that same mentality. They want to fucking be active. They want to do fun shit, but they're just heavy. Yeah, stuff. This just gets harder with more. Yeah, exactly. The weight is like weighing you down. And um, yeah. Um, I'm still trying to. I'm. I'm not exactly where I want to be, and I'm still trying to work on it. I'm still trying to figure stuff out. But um, I kind of know like the basic, like the basic directions I need to go to. Like I know when I'm fucking up, basically. You know when I have like, oh man, work at work this week. It's like a, so I work at FedEx and they have this uh, thing called like the Purple Promise Week. It's like Spirit Week, but for us. You know what I mean? Okay. And every single day we've been getting like because purple is like the company color. We've been getting like ube flavored desserts okay. like every day. Like the first day was like ube donuts. The next day was like ube cookies. And I'm just like, oh God, I know this is all going to be bad for me. I try to say no. I, I said, I turned it down a couple of times because I knew I was like, oh, I can't have all this dessert. And you know, the messed up thing is like they would, they bought so much food and they had all these leftovers. And at the end of the day, nobody wanted to take them home. And I'm just like, I felt so bad about all that food just being left. So I ended up taking home like trays of like poi donuts and trays <laughs> of these like ube <laughs> crunch and i'm just like oh, okay hopefully my family gets to this before i do <laughs> you know you're gonna have like speed bumps like that along the way that's kind of the stuff that i have to deal with because of the kind of lifestyle that like my peers and like my family like live well but it's not necessarily bro like uh like i said i just got off the fucking another episode with this dietitian and one of the big things that she preaches is that you shouldn't have anxiety from eating foods that you enjoy you know what i mean like life mm. life is too short to eat perfectly all the time but it's also yeah. too well no the quote is life is too long to eat perfectly all the time and, and too short to fucking eat terribly all the time like you got to have that balance so mm. like if, if it causes you anxiety for certain foods like it shouldn't like you should have a good relationship with the food and if you yeah. want to have a fucking poi donut or, or try some of the fucking desserts you can but you just should uh, do it in moderation. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't need like 12 of them. Yeah, don't fucking <laughs> yourself to death. Just have a couple. Yeah. And then when you're just- Like enough to know, food, okay, yeah. this is why it's good. It tastes awesome. Yeah. Now you know. You enjoy it because you know you're, yeah. with your lifestyle, you're going to work out anyways. It's not yeah, like you're yeah. just going to sit around and fucking let yourself get back to 300 pounds again. Fucking yeah. have a donut, man. Enjoy your life. <laughs> just, just intentionally have it in mind. And be like, okay, well, that's just, I can work this off later. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the anxiety on the food, that that, that, was a, that was a big thing that I had to work through too. So I learned about these, I learned about this like style of eating called intuitive eating. Yes, sir. And I tried doing that because that's supposed to like, it helped a lot of people, like even people who had like eating disorders and stuff like get past their, or like, help develop a good relationship with food. So I I, I kind of like followed some, I was just watching a bunch of like YouTube videos on these like intuitive eaters and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I tried that. So I tried that. Uh, I was coupling that with uh, with intermittent fasting. Like intuitive eating and intermittent fasting and that i got like really good results with that <clears throat> man yeah i always feel like eating like uh have, have okay you live makakilo right or you've been yeah. in makakilo yeah you know malama market malama's dog dog their spicy ahi poke bowls are so fucking good <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why they're so fucking good and every time i'm like i'm gonna i feel like eating something i want to eat and it's always that 
So I gotta go, go spicy, uh, Malama Market, spicy ahi poke bowls, and you gotta have it with the sauce. I don't know what the fuck they put in this sauce. It might be crack, but it's really fucking good. Bruh, yeah, I mean, you know what I'm talking I about. Know. It's all good. That's carbs. Like I said, post-workout. <laughs> fucking poke bowl. You got the carbs post-workout to yeah. energy. You got the protein to build the muscle. You got some fats in there for fucking the fat part of your macronutrients. It's all good, man. You're just missing a little bit of vegetables. and uh, yeah. <laughs> But ain't nothing wrong with a fucking poke bowl, homie. Shit. <laughs> That's good for you. Man. They got those out there. They got pokeball. They got poke spots out in the Philippines. They do in the malls, but they're fucking. What's the word? They're, they're real. Like the American uh, ones. <laughs> no, um, they're real generous in Hawaii with the poke. You know what I mean? They'll fucking throw that shit on the rice. But yeah, they'll dump it on. They're, they're skimpy over here, bro. They give you like uh, a quarter of a cup of some poke. Fucking like a poke like, shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay shots over here dude it's 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 not cool i miss whole man every day mm. <clears throat> bro um fucking a we're supposed to only be doing an hour but do you mind if we make this like an hour and a half because uh, i really like the way this conversation is going yeah that's fine i'm chilling i'm cool. just kind of sweating yo let me turn on my fan real quick sure i'll pause like, let's go all right, so I saw you reading the book, The Art of War. I've heard that already from uh, one of my other guests. Uh, I never read it myself yet, but um, what are some- Art of War or War of Art? War of Art, sorry, yeah, War of Art. I have both. Uh, I think War of Art was the one that my friend was talking about, and then when I was looking through your stories, you posted about it as well. Yeah, that's War of Art. That's by, I forgot the name of the author, but he also wrote this dope book called Gates of Fire about the 300 Spartans- and the Battle of Thermopylae. So if you haven't read that, it's by the same author. It's like a historical fiction book wow. where he kind of like dram- dramatizes the Battle of Thermopylae. So like the 300 Spartans, dude. So if you want, Gates check it out. Fire. It's by the same author. Gates of Fire. Okay. Because like the, the place where they fought out was called the Hot Gates. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. But um, talk to me about the the war of art, like, because my other friend was bringing it up too. So I never read it myself. But what are some concepts <clears throat> that uh, that you could share? Um, I only I like skim through it oh. fairly quickly. Like it's a small, it's a fast read, and I skim through it. But from what I got out of it, uh, the war of art is basically about this concept of something called resistance, and resistance is basically something that prevents you from doing what you want to do and to get past like that resistance by just like you know and like different ways on how like you can break through it and because resistance is a powerful thing mm-hmm. right so let me break uh for example every day i, I try to go to jujitsu every day monday through friday and then sometimes on saturday and you know jujitsu training is like really rough and i wake up and i'm like my body's aching from the, the day previous. I'm just like, oh man, I don't feel too good. I try to find little things like, oh, my ankle kind of hurts. I don't know if I could roll or whatever like that. But then you got to remind yourself like, yo, no, that's just resistance speaking. And that's what the book is talking about. It's like little things like that, that, you know, stop you from, it's like a mindset thing, little things like that, that stop you from like doing something that you want to do because you really want to train. You really want to get good at this, but then, what because your ankle is sore a little bit or your back is a little stiff or your neck kind of hurts and what i what i found like how i break through that kind of resistance is that i just start moving like even though i'm hurting i'm at home like in the comfort of my home i start moving once i get warmed up i feel ready to go and then i go to class and after class you know after a good training session i'm always like glad that i went 
And so, you know, so that book talks about like ways to break past resistance. Another example is like, um, I'm trying to think of a way to like bring it around to like the creative stuff. So let's say you want to like, I don't know, paint, paint a picture, paint like a really nice picture. You want to be like an artist and you want to get good at painting a picture. A lot of people are intimidated by just staring at like a blank page. Like, okay, what am I going to draw? What am I going to do? Like, oh, I need to come up with some like grand image that people will like. But, you know, if I don't come up with something that looks nice, people won't like it or whatever. And all these like little thoughts get into your head. And then, you know, you, you dwell about it for like 10, 15 minutes. And you're still, you're still staring at a blank, you see the paper, you know what I'm saying? And I think one of the like techniques was to just start. I don't know if it was from the book, but I I, I heard an artist, artist probably like tweeted it or like I was watching it on a video, but talking about staring at that blank sheet of paper is intimidating. So what you should do is just start drawing, just start drawing anything. It doesn't even have to be like something that looks like anything, just a bunch of scribble lines, just like get something on the paper. So you just start getting in the motion, kind of like how I would wake up in the morning and just start moving you know just get a blank piece of paper and just put something in that put something down on it that just gets you going you know and then you're already broken past that uh that form of resistance you know that blank piece of paper isn't blank anymore so it's not that hard to put something on there you know it's not that hard to put like your pen in the paper and then draw a line just draw some more lines and then eventually it'll start looking like something right and i think that's what that book is trying to preach is like different ways of breaking through that resistance, that thing that's keeping you from creating or working out or um, training or, you know, writing a song or painting a picture, you know? So it's the same way with writing too. Like if you have creative slumps with your poetry or writing song lyrics, like sometimes it's just, just write shit out and then, then try Dude, to- I would just write my thoughts sometimes and they would be so random. Like I, it doesn't even need to make sense, but yeah, when I would like try and come up with ideas for a song, I would just write, just write what I'm thinking, you know, just put words to the pen or put words to the page, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's powerful, dude. Yeah, because um, a lot of people just get so stuck in their own heads, man, and it's a fucking shitty place to be. And the yeah. best way to get through it is just fucking just get moving, like you said. And once you get warmed yeah. up and you realize, all right, I got this, I can do this. And things yeah, start connecting yeah, yeah. and the flow state starts happening. Oh shit. Then you unlock yeah. fucking super powerful. So, but it's normal, right? Like, especially you as an artist, like you every, everybody goes through these these creative slumps, like the ups and downs. It's it's not something that uh, people should freak out too much about because it's a normal part of life. Yeah, but it is. I think, I think with those negative uh, with those slumps <laughs> comes opportunities. Right. Mm, right. What is that? Is it when one door closes, another one opens and exactly. stuff like that. Right? Exactly. It's like yeah. every opportunity, every t moment that you're down and there's negativity <laughs> is an opportunity to, to face that with the complete polar opposite of like, yeah, no, fuck, mm. I got this. I can do this. It's all good. Mm. So that's something good for, for mindset. So if people are listening and y'all want to fucking write a song, y'all want to fucking paint a picture, just just fucking do some shit and just get moving and make yeah. shit. Happen, and then you'll gain more confidence <clears throat> away. That first step is always the hardest, man. But if you just take a bunch of first steps, I feel like 
taking first steps will be a little easier, you know? Like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to start my own quote book. <laughs> like John Cozy philosophies. <laughs> no, you should, bro. I got this. My girlfriend got me this little notebook like this. And uh, yeah. write down little fucking quotes of life and shit just in here. I'm going to make a little book. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good idea, dude. Yeah, I, tried, I, I tried journaling. It wasn't for me. A lot of bad energy went into those pages. <laughs> that's life too, man. That's fucking that's uh, powerful shit. Bad energy is is, is sometimes even yeah. more powerful than the good energy. Sometimes, sometimes you can get yeah, some yeah. good content from or it. releasing the bad energy. Yeah, it's probably always better for you, right? Yeah. Um, I've written some pretty dark shit that turned out pretty good. Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I might do that. I'm gonna start just writing like little things that I think of. Yeah, man. There's that quote, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And that that's pretty much sums up what you were talking about earlier. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes, sir. So if you could do a collaboration with any uh, hip hop artist, top three, who would be like the dream? Uh, oh, my God. That's such a hard question. <laughs> At least uh, like you the top dream? three. Come on, top three. Top three. Top three. I feel oh like Tupac God. is going to be one. Tupac? You know, no, not really, because I feel like our styles are just way too different. Like I would want when I look for a collaboration, you know, I want to compliment, you know, we want to when I we want to kind of bring out the best in each other. Right. And that's why me and Josh work so good is because we brought out the best in each other and we gelled so well. So you kind of want to compliment each other in a collaboration. Mm -hmm. And like I, I modeled a lot of the stuff like. I'm not as lyrical, but I feel like I could hang on a track with him and this is saying a lot i don't know if this is just my ego talking but i feel like i could i feel like i could but i feel like i could be on a track with eminem dog hey. that was like my fucking he's like my number one favorite favorite rapper nice like just oh man that marshall mathers lp his second album the marshall mathers lp I used to be able to just rap the whole thing like front to back like i knew the lyrics word for word dog i was so into that like album and that's where i got a lot of my influence from uh, even the stuff I would talk about, I was like, okay, this guy's talking about all this weird fucked up shit. Why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> so I started like, you know, kind of, kind of like allowed me to express myself in that way. I was like, okay, I want to express myself this way. So I decided. So I feel like that would be like the number one collab. Uh, nah, number two. Uh, no pressure. No pressure. Take your time. I'm trying to think who I've been listening. You know, I'm trying to think who I've been like listening to recently. Oh, dog. Um, what do you call? What are they called? I can't believe I forgot their names. Oh, those Brockhampton dudes. Have you heard of them? They're like these kids from like all over the country that all moved into like a house together <clears throat> and then just just to make music together. And um, I, I like their stuff a lot. Their stuff because like their whole like independent movement, right? Kind of reminds you of like when me, me and my homies were like trying to come up in the game. So I feel like we could relate on that, being on that, that same like grassroots independent hip hop wavelength. And okay, third collab. Oh man. Oh man. I'm just going to say Wu Tang Clan. Just, hey. You know, Wu Tang Clan. Keep it cool. Like, right, That'd be cool. I'd want to work with them. They seem like cool dudes. <laughs> Badass. Eminem, the Brockhampton, what are they, a group? Brockhampton, what do you call them? 
Yeah, they're like a group. Like, <clears throat> there's a bunch of them. I want to say there's like a dozen of them dudes, right? They're like a rap group. Yeah, just because I like their style. And the new tank plan. So if there were like aspiring artists, like, because the rap game's not easy, man. There's fucking a bunch of rappers out there. And especially in Hawaii, not, up in the hip-hop scene, like there's not really that much of a hip-hop scene. It was you guys that were really... Uh, yeah, we all kind of know each other. That's how small it is, you know, like the scene out here. We all know each other, basically, you know. I mean, I think the, uh, the concepts <laughs> will go universal no matter what part of the world. So what's some like, what are the biggest mistakes you made as a rapper as far as trying to get your name up? that do you learn from and some wisdom for upcoming like artists like rapping rappers specifically falling victim to like the ego game you know like a flex because like rapping is such a egocentric like art form because you want to be the best you know you want to tell people you're the best or whatever and i feel like that's it gets tired, man. There's so much politics, especially in like our local scene. There's a lot of politicking and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like a uh, thought that, oh, we got it harder because we're on an island. You know, it's harder for us to get our music out there, you know, and for people to hear us and, you know, nobody from Hawaii is going to blow up. But I feel like that's like the wrong mindset. Like your mindset should be like you should be creating the art because you love it, not because you want the plays, you want the followers and you want the likes and you want the views. I feel like all that comes. Comes with I mean, granted, it is harder because you're on an island getting your music out there, but. I don't know, like just from an artist's perspective, I feel like, you know, that shouldn't be your your main concern. Your main concern should be like sharpening your skills, right? And expressing yourself in like the best and truest way you could. <clears throat> and I feel like a lot of rappers over here get caught up in the whole like, oh, the, yeah, the whole ego thing, you know, the, the views and the likes and the stuff and like, even going so far as to buying fake followers and stuff like i can see it i know i know you don't really have like 50k followers and only like 30 people are liking your pictures dog like you can see that shit you know so what's the point how much did you pay for that it's not worth it even if you had like 50 real followers versus 100,000 fake ones i'd rather take the 50 because they're real you know so that's that's one thing like um see what other that's power was the other was the question again uh wisdom to the the rap artist but i mean you said falling victim to the ego that's powerful it's not just that's also universal not just in the rap game but in in general uh, no matter what it is that you do if you get good at it and you fucking you believe your own hype too much then yeah. it, it puts you in this mindset to where you don't have any more room left to grow but the thing yeah, yeah, yeah. you learn as an artist, as a martial artist, especially in jujitsu, is you mm. gotta keep learning, bro. You gotta keep, yeah. you gotta keep that white belt mentality, or else yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking you'll never grow. You'll never get better. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. It's like a. I always see these on like quotes, like jujitsu quotes. Oh, a black belt is a white belt who never quit. And I fucking love that quote, dog. Cause it's like, you're right. He just never stopped showing up. And then he got his black belt. That means anybody can do it. Cause anybody can be a white belt. Yeah. Everybody starts at that. And if you don't quit, if you just keep going and then eventually, you know, that the belt's going to turn black. Right. I think that's, yeah, I like that. 
I like how you said uh, sharpening your tools and expressing yourself genuinely. That should be the goal. It shouldn't be trying to go for fame. It should just be uh, constant work on yourself. That should be your goal. And the genuine expression, that shit's powerful too, man, because a lot of people don't really have um, an, a medium to really express themselves like jujitsu, like fucking writing poetry and shit. And, yeah. and it's stuck in them. And you know, when you have all this fucking stuck, bent up energy, this shit sucks. <laughs> it does. It's just, sometimes it makes me sick, dude. Yeah, it will. <laughs> like, I want to do this. Like, I want to do all this stuff. But like, if I don't, you know, release all this creative energy somehow, then I kind of like, uh, yeah, I get kind of, I feel some type of way. <laughs> yeah yeah everybody needs an outlet it's just finding like the right way to do it and um the the drive to want to do it too i agree bro yeah um what is your the favorite song that you've ever composed and why like what was the story behind it do you have a favorite song the favorite song i ever composed oh man there's a (laughs) honestly like i don't put a lot of thought like a lot of thought into like some of the songs i do i mean i do probably like outside of just it's like me taking a drive right or me driving to work i'm like thinking about the song but like when i'm writing a song in the moment sometimes i'm just like it's just a stream of consciousness that i'm writing down and then i'm making a rhyme and then I, i don't know i don't know if i'm unique to this style of writing or maybe other people do it too but a lot of times i will just write what i think i sounds cool and then i'll add meaning to it to myself later nobody would ever know this unless i told you because most people will write something and they're because they're thinking about something but me i'll just write something and then i'll like reflect on it and be like okay this applies to this situation that happened or this applies to this other situation that happened so that's how i would write so Okay, favorite song that I compose. Oh man, there's a lot. I kind of like all they're all my babies, dude. How do I pick one? <laughs> Except maybe the Ill Hill stuff. I'm not like I said, I think that stuff's corny. I know people like it, but me personally, I feel like it's corny. Um although well, you're my world, right? You like that song, right? I can explain that one. So that that song, I wanted to I really like that beat. So that beat the beats from the song by uh this artist named Guapele. <clears throat> and um, I just really like that song. I really like that beat. And then me and Quality wanted to rap on it. It was for like some mixtape project where it was like all cover songs. So like we could like rap on other people's beats or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so that song, if you like listen to the lyrics, uh, it, it was a lot of, you know, the song's called You're My World. So there was a lot of like, geography like wordplay and then the whole idea was me taking it from from the earth and then quality takes it to outer space you know if you like really listen to the lyrics there's a lot of like you know we're talking about like lava or something and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you know because you're my world you know i i feel bad because like i'm trying to remember the lyrics as i'm saying all this stuff and i can't but it's like um yeah, that was like the whole concept behind that. And a lot of the love songs that I wrote, a lot of the songs that are about like girls or relationships or like the um 
like heartbreak stuff like i i love those songs because all those songs definitely come from like a very real place yeah yeah yeah. and they're like you know they're not all specifically about any one person but they're kind of all just an amalgamation of all my experiences and i just like make uh, i write the songs to kind of fit the vibe or what i'm trying to uh a lot of those are like those songs are like of how i how i feel or how i felt and i'm just trying to express that you know it's just like me trying to express myself because i'm a very like i can be like an extrovert i don't but i'm very introverted i don't really talk about like stuff a lot so like writing stuff is kind of how i like let it out i guess and share it so a lot of the love songs there's this song oh I can't even remember the, <laughs> the titles of my songs, bro. But if you go to John Cozy on Spotify, a lot of the songs in there, I, I, you know, every song that I put out, that I actually put out, because I have a lot of songs that I haven't put out. Mm-hmm. But all the ones that I put out, I do like, especially the love songs. Because I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I, I express that side of me very well. I don't know if you're, are you into astrology? A little bit. I have like a yeah, I have like an elementary understanding of astrology, but so I'm gonna get a little astrology here. Um my my son is a Leo. Um, so that's a fire sign, and that's kind of like uh that's like the extrovert, you know, personality traits. I think that's like my rapper side or whatever, because you're very, you know, I want the attention, you know, me, 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 me. Very egocentric. Mm-hmm. So so that kind of kind of correlates with uh, my rapper persona, I guess. But my moon, which is like my my internal being, I guess, is cancer, which is a water sign. It's very like emotional, emotionally connected, feminine characteristics. And that's like who I am on the inside. So <clears throat> the love songs and stuff is like me expressing that inner part of me that I don't really share with a lot of people. So those really mean a lot to me. Actually, one of the songs, the songs, the love songs that I did with Josh, that Josh is on are a lot of my favorite ones. Yeah, the ones that me and him did together. Um, yeah, just talking about it's like unrequited love type stuff, you know what I mean? That's a very relatable thing that I feel like a lot of dudes don't like to talk about, but I don't care. I'll make hella songs about it, you know. I think that's awesome that um <clears throat> you guys can tap into that side because a lot of people they think with this whole masculinity thing that they are only allowed to feel one certain way. And they don't Mm. want to acknowledge those other feelings, like these romantic love feelings, these hurt feelings, and you actually acknowledging them, you you turn it, transform it into something like this music, combining it with the beats and the the feeling that you're feeling of the beats with the the memory, like it's fucking powerful stuff, dude. And it's because you're acknowledging both sides and you're able to use the feminine and the masculine side to to put this shit together. And I think if that's one thing that, yeah, that's one thing that Tupac really did did very well. He would be this gangster thug dude, right? Screaming thug like this stuff. And he would make a song called like Do For Love. You know, he'd make love songs too. So it made it, you know, it kind of normalizes that masculine feminine duality of people in a very masculine genre such as rap music. You know what I mean? Where it's all about like bitches and guns and stuff. And that's what people like some people like and sometimes it's cool you know i get hype on it too yeah. i'll turn it up sometimes i'm like yeah you know bump it in the trunk and shit but 
you know, there's, there's, I like a broad spectrum of like different things to listen to. You know, sometimes I like the gangster stuff. Sometimes I like the Cardi stuff, you know. Time and place for it all. But I think yeah, if we're to just open their mind to that whole duality that, yes, you can be screaming out thug life and at the same time still write a love song about your girl and love your mom at the same time. Like, it's all right. Yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be sure. a fucking toxic masculine. Like, you know what I mean? Meathead just fucking roar all the time. <laughs> yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Oh, God. Oh, dude, we are an hour and almost an hour, 20 minutes in. Um, let's end it with the last two things. So I have these seven pillars of optimal health that I've been like developing and kind of preaching to all my online clients and stuff. And I want to share yeah. them with you. And I want you to comment on them. Uh, agree, disagree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So number one, functional breathing. Yo, so... Um, I've been hearing a lot about breath work because my friend, my friend, uh, my friend Rihanna, I see her talking about breath work a lot. I haven't looked that into it, but I've heard that there's like the way you breathe is like super important. Like I heard like the mouth breathing thing is like the mouth breathing, like breathing through your nose is supposed to be like really good for you. Right. Yes. From what I've heard. Well, let me enlighten you real quick. So Uh, I just read this book called The Oxygen Advantage, and the author talks about the power of nasal breathing and how the main problem with people nowadays is that they're over-breathing. What he means by over-breathing is that they're excessively breathing out through their mouth. And Mm. you're aware that we inhale oxygen and we exhale carbon dioxide, right? Mm -hmm. People think carbon dioxide is this waste gas that's supposed to go out. But they found in research, uh, scientific research, that carbon dioxide is actually the catalyst for oxygen to be released into our body. So we need higher levels of carbon dioxide in our bodies. So if we're always not breathing, then we're lowering the levels of carbon dioxide. And what happens when there's low levels of carbon dioxide is that the blood vessels will constrict and Mm. the oxygen cannot get through to where it needs to go. But if we can breathe more through our nose and allow the uh, carbon dioxide to build up the oxygen, the blood vessels will open and then the oxygen can pass through the blood vessels to go to the muscles, to the tissue, to the organs, to everywhere where it needs to go. So So, by breathing through our mouths, we're actually starving ourselves of oxygen? Kind of? We're not getting as much as... Yes. So people are over-breathing. So people have this um, thought that in order to get more oxygen, you need to keep breathing more, but yeah. it's actually reverse. If you want to oxygenate your body more, you should be breathing less. So you should kind of be, oh, yes. okay. you need to breathe less so that you can let the carbon dioxide build up in the body to open the blood vessels to allow for more oxygenation. Uh, so how this applies to me in jujitsu is um, like, you know, when you're rolling, and then yeah. you're all calm at first. And next thing you know, you're like, <sighs> yeah. by that time that you're mouth breathing, you are too fatigued. And every time you breathe through your mouth, it's connected to the part of your central nervous system that puts your brain in um, alert, like fight or flight mode. Yeah. And you don't want to be in fight or flight mode for too long because it's going to exhaust you. And it takes yeah. too long for that energy system to recover. So when you're in jujitsu, how I've applied it to myself is when I'm rolling, I 
I fucking keep my mouth shut and I make sure that I'm breathing through my nose the whole time. And if at any point I feel like I start breathing through my mouth and I, I, I tell myself, okay, slow it down. You're going too hard. Cause mm. you know how it feels when you breathe through your mouth and you keep trying to push, push, push. And next thing you know, your fucking lactic acid builds up and it's like, what yeah. the fuck? so nasal breathing, bro. Let that nasal be breathing. your fucking, your, your tool and your, your, it's a, it's a biohack literally. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Um, so when you, um, they do breath holding exercises mm-hmm. because by doing breath holding exercises, you're increasing your tolerance to the carbon dioxide. Cause usually when people hold their breath, they'll like, they'll panic a little bit because they're not used to high levels of carbon dioxide. So you should practice holding your breath sometimes mm. just so you can get used to those high levels of carbon dioxide in your body to allow for more oxygenation of the brain and, and everything. Okay. So what was the title of the book? The book the, you were talking about. You the Oxygen Advantage. The Oxygen Advantage. Okay, yes. Bad. By Patrick. Yeah, bro. I read it once. I'm on my second time reading it. I actually interviewed a, um, she's a Oxygen Advantage master instructor. She's also a strength and conditioning coach for MMA. And I interviewed yeah. her and she shared a bunch of like uh, reading strategies that she does with her fighters pre-fight, during training. Yeah, because like um, the way you breathe is directly connected to how you feel. Mm. Automatic. Like if you were to take four breaths through your nose into your diaphragm, you'll automatically feel a lot calmer. But if you take four breaths into your mouth, into your chest, you'll automatically feel way more alert. So it's this, uh. it's this um, mindfulness of the breath and being able to use the breath to activate those different modes yeah. depending on the context of the situation does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. that's so, that's fascinating dude yeah I've, I've always heard you know i've heard like different things like oh breathe in through your nose right smell the flowers blow the candle you know i've heard that kind of stuff but so strictly through the nose breathe out through the nose too. strictly through the nose and only breathe through your mouth if you absolutely need to but once you feel yourself breathing out through your mouth, try to bring it back to nasal breathing as much as you can. And uh, it's going to be more difficult because you're not getting, um, uh, you're not uh, able to exhale the carbon dioxide and your body's not going to be used to it. But by doing that, you're building adaptations. It's kind of like lifting weights. You're mm-hmm. training with more resistance by only breathing through your nose. And yeah, yeah. not just the the chemistry part of uh more oxygenation but once you start being more aware of your breathing through your nose when you're rolling and just when you're beat making when you're going through life when you're walking like it just brings this mindfulness aspect it just anchors you to the present moment and mm. it just makes life like fucking 2.0 for me like 2.0 yeah it, it's a trip uh, i will look at dude i'm fascinated by it yeah <laughs> so the whole breathwork thing i i i saw some videos on this dude named wim hoff who has like a gnarly breathing technique and he's like some crazy dude that like i don't know skin dives in glaciers or some shit like that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so- he said he claims to like be able to do all these things because of like his breathing method and i'm curious if that's around along the same lines um his is hyperventilation so he goes <sighs> yeah and he's removing a lot of the carbon dioxide but um i don't know what the actual uh, chemistry is behind it i'm not too uh knowledgeable about that but the things that they focus on for the oxygen advantage is different because they're mostly it's all nasal breathing and what they want you to do is is think of not just how you're breathing but the chemistry of it 
So you need higher levels of carbon dioxide to release more oxygen. So it just makes sense to breathe through your nose more. Yeah. And they, they want you to keep that concept in at all times. Also, when you're breathing through your, um, when you're breathing, it shouldn't be uh, vertical. It shouldn't be like this. It should be lateral breathing into your diaphragm. You should feel it expanding in your stomach. And your diaphragm goes not just here, but like even back here to your back ribs. So mm -hmm. you kind of imagine like a little balloon in your stomach and when you breathe, you got to completely empty it, exhale everything out to where like you kind of feel like there's an air hunger. And then when you inhale again, once all the air is gone, then you can contract, uh, expand the diaphragm to allow for more oxygenation. And that just practicing that breathing pattern is optimal for recovery when you train too. like in between rounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, how, how long do you rest in between rounds for jujitsu? Like a minute. Yeah. So in between that minute, you can feel yourself right but if you're just yeah. breathing through your mouth for a minute there's no way you're going to be recovered but if you kind of slow it down maybe even hold your breath a little bit then you'll feel your heart rate slow down you'll feel the mental sharpness come back and you'll feel the more recovery um when it comes to uh performing okay yeah bro yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try this out man i'm gonna get it's into a it. fucking biohack bro it's a fucking superpower so I know I, I, you know, just thinking about like how I, how I breathe when I'm rolling, I do tend to like, right before I, right before I try to explode into a move or whatever, into a position, I'll take like a really big breath with my nose. I'll go. And then, you know, let me explain what's to... happening. Every time you inhale through your nose, nitrous oxide, you know, like NOS in Fast and the Furious. Yeah. yeah. Nitrous oxide develops in our nasal cavity naturally. So every time you inhale, it's a shot of nitrous oxide into your bloodstream. And what nitrous oxide does to your bloodstream is it opens up the blood vessels to allow for more oxygenation. Ah, so that's what helps me like trying, like that's get some explosive action. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fascinating, dude. Yes. Thank you for Very that. Fucking fascinating. <laughs> Insane. So that's the first pillar. The first pillar. Yeah. Uh, pillar number one, functional breathing. Because no matter what your fucking profession is, what size you are, how physically fit you are, everybody breathes. Yeah, yeah. So if we can start taking control of breathing more through our nose and being aware of our breath, then that's number one for functional breathing. Number two is mindfulness. Because like you said, you were having such a hard time with the mind-body connection. Yeah, just being aware being mindful of, of where my left arm is. <laughs> bro, just being aware of your body and being aware of your health yeah. in general. Like that mindfulness uh, goes a long way. So Functional breathing is one, because once you start paying attention to your breath, then you become mindful. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then number three is adequate sleep. Mm. Number four is um, proper hydration. Oh, yeah. Number five That's is big one. balanced nutrition. Number six is stress management. Stress and, management. And number seven is consistent exercise. And exercise is last because like you said, like if you, you can work out super hard, but if your diet is shit, you're not sleeping well, yeah, yeah. dehydrated, that shit's not going to show up. So those yeah, are I like how your, so all your pillars, they all kind of like complement each other. Yeah. Is that what you're going for? Yeah. They all kind of like work together to support each other. Basically. Yeah. The stress management one is a big one, dude. I see so, I see so many, especially like at my job, like or in my line of work. Like I see people who just don't know how to manage their stress and I've seen it get taken to like breaking points where 
you know, I don't know, someone just snaps or flips off or they're, they're, they start doing stuff out of character and something that they shouldn't be doing. And it's because they don't know how to manage the stress, like the, in a high stress environment. And I don't know, maybe just people just need to know more about stuff like breath work, sleep, hydration, diet, exercise and stuff like that. So I think these pillars, man, you're onto something, you know, people, more people know about it, especially people that aren't athletes, you know, that are just working nine to fives, because that's a different type of stress in itself, but it's still stress, you know? So, yeah, man. Bro, stress, like, you know about cortisol, right? And what cortisol does to the body? That's the, okay, that's the hormone. Yeah, it's a stress yeah. hormone. Hormone, and yeah. if, it's, if it's excessive, it'll cause like inflammation in the body and it'll like destroy your body yeah. at a cellular level. If it's That's what they give the cortisol shots to people with like joint problems, right? Yes. Yeah. But like stress in excessive amounts literally will kill you physically, man. Mm. Think that they can just fucking have all this fucked up shit in their head and like past experiences and they don't fucking settle it. But all that stress accumulated over time. I feel like it just it festers and it grows into something super toxic on, on the inside. And mm. People got to really take care of that. But I mean, if they were to start paying attention to this breathing stuff and realize that the way you breathe is, is directly connected to everything and the way that you feel like mm. if they could just realize like, okay, next time I'm getting super pissed off. If I just take a couple breaths through my nose, then they can relax and take a couple moments and maybe not make a fucked up decision to go and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah just breathe breathe i tell that to like like my, my my people sometimes like if i see them stressing out i just yell at them breathe you know yeah, bro, like they're in a fight or something but it's take like that nitrous oxide shot and then even hold your breath a little bit because when you hold it your does breath, feel good to breathe it does doesn't it and, just, <laughs> and then another thing is that fucking that gratitude part dude like if you bring gratefulness yeah. to each breath because you could not be breathing you know there's fucking thousands of people taking their last breath every single moment and here we are fucking chopping it up taking this shit in for free you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real dude you got a point there man we're, we're out here breathing people some people have a hard time breathing some some people can't even like breathe on their own you know they got machines for that exactly and yeah, dude, just out here just doing it subconsciously ah well so everybody yeah. listening hope you guys can yeah. bring some fucking gratitude to the breath that you'll be breathing right now because yes this is good shit and that shit is free be thankful for your breath amen well bro we are <laughs> fucking way over time um let me just ask you one last question and then we'll end this up huh yeah yeah what's your what is your opinion in your opinion what is optimal human performance Optimal human performance, in my opinion, is feeling good doing the shit that you want to do. Because, <laughs> like, if you feel good doing it, that means, like, you know, you're working optimally, right? Because if you feel shitty, then you're not optimal. But if you feel good doing the shit that you need to be doing and wanting to be doing, then I feel like you're living at an optimal level. Amen. I think feel good do what you want to do <laughs> that's the best way to live your best good. life yeah that's what i have to learn because like like i said before when i was like at 170 pounds it's like okay i'm starting to look like how i want to look but i don't feel like how i want to feel but now when you know i did made some adjustments i weigh a little more but i feel good doing what i want to do 
like the jujitsu and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm on, you know, that's the path that I want to be on into becoming optimal. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Bro, if you ever need anything, man, just ask me. I've been doing a lot of research as far as like optimal human performance and best practices. So uh, I'd love to fucking share whatever kind of wisdom I got for you, bro. So yeah, for sure, man. All right. So feel good. Do what you want to do. Live your life and enjoy your life. That is the wisdom from John Cozy. This poetic poetic lyricist came up with something so simple. I love it. hey that's what's up all right bro um what are some social medias that the the people can like listen to your music follow you on oh well my music is on uh apple music and spotify under john cozy that's j-o-n-c-o-z-y you can follow me on twitter and instagram at john cozy uh j-o-n-c-o-z-y I'm a lot more active on Twitter than I'm on Instagram these days, but sometimes I'll be posting, you know, some stuff on Instagram, like what I'm doing. I just like, I, I just like to let people know what I'm up to sometimes, you know, so you can follow me on there to see what I'm up to. Cool. And um, yeah, that's about it. I forgot to ask you, I was supposed to ask you in the very beginning, where the fuck did Cozy come from? Cozy? Um, Oh man, I'm gonna hate telling this, but okay. So my old DJ name used to be DJ Care Bear. <laughs> DJ Care Bear, <laughs> cause like uh, so like I used to have this girls at high school, dude. Like I was a big dude, so I was like, oh, dude, you're like a teddy bear. There was this girl that called me teddy bear, and then it turned into like turned into Care Bear. And then my favorite animal is penguins, and there's this uh, so you. In the Care Bear universe, they have these things called Care Bear Cousins, and there was a Care Bear Penguin, so and its name was Cozy Heart Penguin, and I was like, I DJ Cozy. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and then the John Cozy was from, uh, you know, you know, Kale, our friend Kale. Kale, Kale the Moke. Yeah, she's the one that put it together. She was like, Oh, John Cozy, oh. and that's how I got John Cozy. She nice. like just put the two together and that's how i got my name yeah so that's that's how my name that's fucking adorable. care bears <laughs> your fucking care bear penguin cousin bro <laughs> yeah that's stuck dude so everybody just calls me that nobody ever calls me john it's kind of weird when they do everybody's just cozy yeah all right ladies and gentlemen we'll go follow cozy on spotify apple music ig twitter all that good stuff and go uh check out his music and go appreciate his musical genius Cozy, I appreciate you for being on, bro. This is a fucking awesome conversation. Maybe we can do another one in the future. Hell yeah, I'll be stoked, dude. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, shout out to uh, the 96707 and the 808 State. This is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. Mahalo for listening to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. Feel free to follow my journey at Kunani Patrol on Instagram and Mikuni Munsayak on Facebook. Lastly, if you were motivated, inspired, or learned something new from this podcast, please support this show by clicking the Patreon link in the podcast description. Even just $1 a month would help support this show of creating content to help you all live your best lives. This is Mikuni Munsayak. Signing out. Aloha.
Friday night, Kumyane Patrol.